You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Clayton's season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 271. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a great show for you this week. A multi-time guest on this podcast. One of my favorites, Jacqueline Trumbull, is going to be joining us momentarily. So we will get to that in a brief second. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I say brief second, it's usually a few minutes. You know that by now. But not a ton to talk about in Bachelor Nation world. But there is a ton to talk about in Wordle world. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Did I get today's at 12.02? Yes. I got it in four. So I only started 12 days ago. I'm very late to the party on this. But yeah, I've I've gotten it every day. I'm 12 for 12, but... It's not like it's some major accomplishment. I get that. But hell, it's addicting. And I told you the other day, somebody sent me the Wordle Unlimited link, and I'm just like, I I wore it out. I played it for literally four or five hours straight the day I got it. And now I'm just like, no, I I can't. Because I I just, I don't take, I don't take that one seriously because it's just... It's not playing against everybody in the world, playing the same game, which is, you know, one word a day. So I just don't take it as seriously and I give up so quick. Like if I just if 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 something doesn't isn't coming to me right away, I'm just like, ah, I just want to see. I, I quit the game. What's the word? And I just move on to the next one. Yeah, but I'll never do that with the with the real game. That's played every day. So, yeah, I always find that to be. It's definitely addicting. I'm sure a lot of you out there have played it. If you haven't heard of it, just um, Google Wordle. And um, it's not an app. Well, Wordle Unlimited is an app. Or maybe that's a website. I don't know. But Wordle, just Google Wordle, and you'll be playing the game that everybody's playing. And you'll wonder why these people are posting their statuses, posting how they want, how, how they did as their status on Instagram or Instagram stories or Twitter, but yeah, it's fun. It doesn't take very long. I mean, if it does, you know, it doesn't take me more than, I mean, some, some take me a couple minutes, some take me four or five minutes, but for the most part, um, when I first started, I was, you know, 
I was writing a lot more down. Now I'm now I'm able to do it in my head. Unless there's just really something that I'm struggling with, but certainly addicting and I don't want to play it every day. And in terms of the the Wordle Unlimited where I could just sit there and play it like a Sudoku puzzle. I just I can't do that. And for a guy like me who's good at math and does math in my head all the time, I I've tried Sudoku before, and I, I just I want no part of it. I just I, I that one doesn't interest me. But Wordle, you know, pick out a five letter word, and it's just yeah, it's fun. It's fun to know I accomplish something at least once a day, and that's where we're at. So, um, yeah. In terms of in terms of Bachelor news, there isn't a ton out there. Again, I know. I mean, I'm getting it asked constantly whether it's in my Twitter DMs or my Instagram DMs or whatever the case may be, when are you going to tell us who Clayton picked? And my answer is the same. I'll tell you when I know. I don't I don't know yet. I'm I'm very well aware. I follow all three women it could possibly be, Gabby, Rachel, and Susie. I'm very well aware of all the stuff that they have posted on their Instagram stories and their feeds since the end of the season. But they know what they're posting. The show knows what they're posting. And it's just, there's nothing you can take from it. Nobody has posted anything that's given away who he chose. Nobody. You can read into it all you want. But they know. The show knows now that everybody is looking at every single one of their Instagram stories. And they're looking for any clue they can get. These girls are not going to slip up. It's just not going to happen. I mean, is there a possibility? I, yeah, but if you're hoping for that, you ain't going to find it. So I don't concern myself with it because I'm never going to post a spoiler unless it's flat out obvious, like the Caitlyn stuff when she spoiled her season or Ari and Becca when they spoiled theirs. I, I, I don't get my spoilers from that. I'm trying to find out what happened in Iceland. And yeah, I've heard a few things, but nothing solid enough to where I feel comfortable of like, yeah, this is who Clayton is with. So, but yeah, I mean, anytime Rachel or Susie or Gabby post something, I'll look at it because they're in my feed, but there's been nothing that they've done that has given away anything. And there's, you know, I I keep getting, you know, I'll get emails here and there, DMs here and there from some people that are, you know, looking at the same things I am. And they're like, well, what about this? And what about this? I'm just like, look, it, it just, no. I mean, it, you might. The thing is, if you want Gabby to be the one that Clayton chose, or if you want Susie to be the one that Clayton chose, or if you want Rachel to be the one, you can make a case for all three based on whatever you find. Like, it's very easy to create your own narrative because you want that person to be the winner. And look, you have a 33% chance of being right. But I'm trying to find out what happened in Iceland other, in addition to who he ended up choosing. I might only get the winner and then not be able to tell you, hey, I don't know how we got to this point, and I don't know what goes down in Iceland, but I know he's with X, you know. That's what I'm hoping for. And if I get both, great. But like I said, they are way – the show is very well aware now. In past years, were they? No, they weren't. But they're very well aware now that everybody is looking at every single thing that these girls post and guys post. So they tell them 
you know, to be careful. And this this notion that <laughs> this notion that happy couple visits only happen on the weekend is couldn't be further from the truth. Everybody, everybody that emails me seems to say like, well, oh, I don't know. I think he's there. I think he's here this weekend and Susie's here this weekend. And yeah, you do realize that happy couple weekends happen at any time during the day or any time during the week. They are not. I said happy couple weekends happen anytime. Happy couple visits can happen at any time. This this notion that everybody seems to think they only happen on the weekends from everything that I've gathered over the years. Most of them don't happen on the weekends. So just keep that in mind. So I'm just relaying what I know. So I don't know if that changes anything for people, the way they look at things, but I keep getting this stuff of people emailing me saying, oh, Susie was here this weekend and Rachel was here this weekend and Gabby was here this weekend, so they couldn't have been with Clayton. It's like, yeah, they might not have been. Because they might have been with him Monday through Thursday, which happens a lot on happy couple visits. I don't know where this this narrative came from that they only happen on the weekends. Not true. In fact, most of them don't happen on the weekends. So anyway, when I know something, I will share it. There's no reason for me to to keep it uh, from anybody. And... I just don't feel confident yet. I just don't, I don't have enough information to be like, I, yeah, he's definitely with this person. I just don't, I just, I don't know enough right now. But with that said, let's move forward. Uh, Good podcast today. Hope you all like it. It is podcast number 271. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, here she is. Uh, let's bring her in. She saw her. You saw her on Ari's season of The Bachelor. She was also on season, oh, crap, five of Paradise. I don't remember. Um, she's <laughs> she's a Ph.D. student at, uh, at Duke University. You can hear her now on her own podcast called A Little Help for Our Friends. It is Jacqueline Trumbull. Jacqueline, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. You woke me up. I know. and I <laughs> And honestly, this is... I'm kind of tired too. Um, <laughs> but good, we, we worked we worked around your schedule, which is fine. I'm glad we were able to get this done uh, this week. Was it was it season five of Paradise? I totally I wrote down season five, but I was like, you know what? I I might be wrong on that. I think so, but I try to forget it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I want to. There's a lot has gone on. You've been 
it's been about six months since you've been on. I, I checked. You were on in August. So a lot has obviously happened in your personal life since then, which we will which we will get to. But I do want to talk about the show and maybe some things that we haven't talked about before in regards to this show because things okay. things that I'm watching that you can help as a person who was once on the show. And I know mm-hmm. I know that you're open to talking about stuff and production and you like talking about that stuff, so we're gonna get into that. Mm-hmm. But this pa- this past Monday's episode. Um I I texted you this and I and I and I have an issue with it, and it's kind of funny because I'm the guy that calls the show out all the time for the things that they do and you know, kind of how silly it is and the concept of, you know, getting in, being basically being forced to be engaged at the end of this thing and whatnot. And you know, I, when you watch Monday's episode and, you know, one of the things I had with it was this group date where the first group date of the season or the first group date of the episode, which was basically a ripoff of Katie's episode where Nick came in and basically told the yeah. guys, hey, you got to open up about stuff. And I and I don't like it because it's just not it's not organic, you know, and it's. And I say that, but there's nothing about this show that's organic anyway. And maybe I'm watching the wrong show, but it just doesn't seem as sincere when it's forced. Like, Caitlin sits the women in a circle and basically asks, tell us what you don't like about yourself. And then it's just this outpouring of, and it's like, okay. And you're like, and look, the show is seems to be making some strides here and there to to actually have conversations about things that are a little bit deeper and more and less surface level in in than in in previous seasons so i guess that's good on their part but i don't know i just when it when it's forced like that where it's literally like tell us your insecurities it's yep. it, it it doesn't it doesn't sit with me well what do you think yeah i no i don't like it either i mean i i would have hated being on that date i think i remember i was in a sorority briefly in college and we had to sit in a circle and pass yarn back and forth and talk about who we most admired and this sounds great but it quickly devolved into like one-upmanship about like life traumas and I just remember sitting there being like oh my god what am I going to say what am I going to say uh and it just it was really uncomfortable because it was like somebody would share something and then that would be immediately kind of eclipsed by the next person who sh- felt like they had to share something even more deep or dark. Um, and that just reminded me of this. Like, it's 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 not a back and forth. Like, everybody just takes turns saying something that is difficult and vulnerable. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there, I, there's there's the phrase of trauma bonding being thrown around right now. Can you have trauma bonding if if Clayton doesn't have any trauma and he's not bonding with someone else? If there's only one sided, is it is it trauma bonding if it's only one sided? Um, I think people are using that phrase incorrectly. Okay. Yeah, um, trauma bonding. Shit, I have to I have to remember. I was just I was just looking this up. I think it's more so when you um, are are bonded through. Uh, being traumatized like like it's it's more of like a stockholm syndrome type of situation where you become bonded to your uh your like the person who is traumatizing you Mm. yeah um and then in terms of like the healthiness of bonding with somebody because of shared trauma it's nice to 
be able to be understood. Um, and also like openness and vulnerability is great. But at the same time, a lot of times people make the mistake of like, you know, really bonding with somebody who's shared the same trauma. And the problem with that is if um, both people haven't healed, then you can like reopen wounds. You can be stuck in unhealthy patterns versus like being with somebody who is healed, who didn't have to experience that and therefore can, um, you know, can kind of move you away from the the fears, the patterns, the sort of the dysfunctionality that can come from trauma is better. So I, I don't really know what people are talking about when they say trauma bonding, because I just I don't think they're using the word right as far as I know. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to call Clayton Colton like 50 times on this podcast. Uh, trust I can't me. Talk to when I yeah. when I type my column, every time I start the word C, I almost I, I've I've definitely done it. C-O-L-T-O-N. And then I'm like. Oh crap! I have to change it and, and go to Clayton. But yeah, no, trust me. I, I think a lot of people are doing it. I mean, he was sharing too, so I guess that's nice. I mean, I, to me, it was like okay, they're they're all sharing, they're all sharing like their pain and you know some vulnerability. Like I don't think it would have, I don't think it would damage their relationships. But I just feel like I don't I don't like the the pressure associated with it but that's what this show has become you know yeah well I think I think one of the things in in this show that we're seeing I guess more and maybe I don't know I you'd have to literally go back through every season and go over every one-on-one date but it but it almost does seem like if you don't have a tragic backstory the show is not going to focus on you and they will point out when someone yeah. has uh, a tragic backstory or something interesting in uh, their background. Like if you look at the two one-on-one dates this season, there's only been two so far, obviously with um, Sarah got the first one and she didn't have anything in her past that we, that that we saw that was anything that was really traumatic, but he's, uh, she's obviously a woman that Clayton was someone that when after the first night happened and he sat down with producers and they asked him who he liked, she was clearly probably in his top four. That's why she got a one-on-one date. The second mm-hmm. one was Sarah, who had a you know she talked about the fact that she was adopted. Um, so that's well, yeah, the first something. one. The first one was Susie, and she talked I mean, about her dad. I keep saying I, I called Sarah Susie, and then I said Sarah the second. Day. <laughs> yeah, Susie had um, her dad, and what was what was the issue with her dad? Was he sick? I think he I think he went into like organ shutdown. Okay, so she had something there. Okay, so I totally blanked on that. My bad. Sorry, yeah. Susie. Um, but yeah, I blanked on that, but it, it just seems like if you don't have anything interesting in your past, you have no chance on the show anymore. You really don't. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, like I've talked about this a bunch, but it's annoying because I would rather get to know these people by hearing them share perspectives and ideas instead of here's my traumatic story. Here's like this thing I've learned from it. And then bachelor says, you are so strong. Thank you for sharing that. Now I understand you, even though he doesn't. And then they kiss and go dance. I mean, like you don't really get to know the person through that. Um, I, I guess I found, I found Sarah's story. I mean, at least more informative because she's talking about like a real vulnerability of hers that like affects her relationships, you know, this feeling of like not being, um, not being the same, not being truly loved. Um, 
and and how and she was saying like she still struggles with those feelings but yeah i mean in general it, it's interesting like <laughs> how common this is because now at this point when you get to the dinner date the bachelor sits down and i'm just thinking like oh i wonder what he's in for right now yeah. <laughs> like yeah it, uh-huh. Because it seems like everyone has got something that, and it's like if you don't open up, and this is what I'll get to in a second with the production side of it, it's almost like if you don't open up, then you come yeah. across, at least to the audience, as boring, which you might mm-hmm. not be a boring person, but sorry. I mean, is it if someone, or it's almost like if you don't have a tragic backstory or you don't have any thing in your life growing up that made things tough for you at some point that you are now obviously oh you know you've you've had a silver spoon in your mouth you're privileged where it might just be the case you might just not have anything you gotta remember these women are also you know 22 to 26 for the most part maybe you know Mm -hmm. up to 28 and maybe someone just hasn't gone through anything in their life and that's okay it's but the show focuses so much on it and i don't remember i mean obviously you had a one-on-one date with ari and your season I don't mm-hmm. remember. What did you have anything in your past that you opened up about that I'm blanking on? No, no. I they I, we yeah. No. We talked about <laughs> You said yeah, no about six times. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it, so basically what happens is like you you know, you have your day portion of the day that's just free flowing fun. Yeah. And then um you go to dinner and I had, my date was kind of like crammed into the first half of a day, whereas normally you have an entire day. So then there's like an outfit change and stuff. So I was just pulled aside and basically said, hey, so um, Ari's going to ask you about your PhD and like long distance stuff. I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then I sat down and um, there was like a a definite um, pause in the conversation where then he decided to ask, like he, he had obviously prepped to ask me about this um, and basically was like so like what are your thoughts on long distance and I was like why would we be long distance so I was kind of confused from the get-go about why we were talking about that and then he said well you're in a PhD program and I was like no I'm not I want to be in like a couple years and then they edited that down to make me PhD girl so um, I'm sure, you know, these other girls were taken aside at some point and like talked about like whether they want to share um, and how they that would really probably help them open up to Clayton and for him to understand them, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's talked about all the time when it comes to this show about is the show scripted? And look, it gets asked all the time. And the answer, the short answer is no, but it's not. There's a little nuance there because. When I hear the word scripted, it's like you guys are all given scripts and memorized right. lines. And that's no, that's not what the show is. But it is unscripted drama to where every scene is set up and production knows basically what they're getting every time they're about to go into a new scene, just like you just described. Like on a normal date, if you were to if you and Ari were to go out in real life, you would just talk about whatever the hell you guys wanted to talk about. Right. Um and this show it doesn't work that way. You Ari is told, "Hey, ask her about her PhD." It's like, "Why? Why why does he have to ask about that and why does he have to ask about long distance?" Because they because they are forming a narrative about what this particular contestant, Jacqueline Trumbull, what her storyline is going to be. She's going to be the PhD girl and how's this distance going to work between them? You know? It's like yep. it's not the way it would have been in real life. You guys just would have went out on a date and flirted and said silly stuff and talked about whatever the hell you wanted to talk about, but 
So yeah, it's not scripted, but everything is basically structured in a way where production knows what's going to happen on every single date, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they're not saying, hey, Ari and Jacqueline, we want you guys to talk about this. But when they sat you down before your date, you said they told you, hey, Ari's going to ask you about this. Did they ever suggest something to bring up to him? Did they ever say, hey, um, Jacqueline, you know, going into this night date, maybe you should talk about this? Or did they ever go that route? Or do they say, what do you want to talk about on this date? Um, I don't think so. I'm not sure if they asked me what I wanted to talk about either. They just said Ari's going to ask me about that. Okay. Um, in general, because I didn't have, I don't, I don't have a traumatic past, so there wasn't really anything. Like I'm sure, I'm sure these women disclosed all of these things to production before yeah. they, you know, went on this date. So I think production it's, already knew going in. Like, okay, well, we can use this story. I mean, that's my guess. I just think when you know you can talk about certain scenes and you know you lived it. It's where it's like they're running the show and. It's just nothing about this show, to me, is organic at all, other than maybe developing feelings for somebody. And even that, I've always questioned, not necessarily that you can't develop feelings for somebody, but when your whole life, for the time that you're on that show, with you know, obviously no outside interaction with family, friends, TV, movies, books, anything like that, when your sole mm-hmm. focus for the whole time you're there is on one person... There is this idea that, you know, kind of what you brought up earlier, the Stockholm Syndrome thing, where you feel like you're falling for somebody that, <clears throat> um, while you might like them, it's almost amped up because of the surroundings that you're in, right? Well, I mean, the the show is basically a, a love machine. Like, we can talk about sort of the science of, of how to amplify somebody's attraction yeah. for another person. Um but I, I will say, like, when I was on the show, it did feel pretty organic. There there were obviously parts, like, it's not scripted, it's guided, right? So yeah. all of the times when you see people talking about The Bachelor, it's because they've been placed there and asked specific questions. Um, all interruptions so, all interruptions are done by production. You you can go in and talk yeah, yeah. to him now, you know, and, yeah. to get the dramatic effect. Yeah, I mean, I would also say that like production doesn't heavily manipulate everybody. <laughs> I mean, they they're, they're they're guided right, and then ultimately edited. But I, it seems more like they t- they choose a couple of people who are probably like emotional time bombs, and then they drive them crazy. And then everybody else is kind of like, what? Like, why is this? Like, I never was told to interrupt somebody else. But technically, we all did interrupt somebody else because the way it works is that you sit down with the lead and then, you know, you kind of wait in line to go talk to them. And then it's a friendly exchange when you walk up because, you know, it's like, okay, the other girl's been there for 10 minutes. And so they know that it's about time to end and then they're going to get interrupted by somebody else. So I guess when when some people are sent in, like after 30 seconds or two minutes to interrupt, then that's what that's what pisses people off. Yeah, and like you said, um, they're choosing who they know is going to do it. You you were not a you were someone that lasted long on Ari's season, but were never involved in any of the drama that was going on ever. So you you were just somebody that seemed to escape the clutches of production because you just weren't that person. I don't yeah. know if it was your personality or or what. You weren't giving them what they wanted in ITMs. I don't know, but you clearly were somebody that was not a um, outwardly alpha female on that on your season 
at all. Yeah, I mean, I was very cautious when I went on because I was very, um, I was very conscious, you know, conscious of of my career, and so I really wasn't willing to talk shit about anybody else. Um, and and I was also not, I was I was very like, I wasn't gonna fall in love without reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Ari wasn't giving me validation for like a pretty long time, and then once he did, I was like, I almost made a conscious decision, like. It would be more interest. This experience would be more interesting for me if I let myself fall, and so I did to some extent. But yeah, I mean, I just wasn't. I was like very intentionally keeping myself back from any kind of drama or anything that could make me look bad, basically, to potential schools. Yeah, and I think you know, and and that's the way you chose to handle your your time on the show. And then you look at somebody from your season, like a crystal. Yeah. who was, you know, whether or not she was doing it on purpose or she knew what she was doing or she didn't realize what she was doing. Like, I don't know. I mean, you maybe you have a take on it. Maybe you don't. But it just the way people act on this show, it, it, it boggles my mind because the show has been around for 43 seasons. It's like it's very hard to believe that anybody going on this show now, while you may not know what you're truly getting into until you're in it, You've mm-hmm. you've at least seen or heard of other former contestants, you know, quote unquote villains, and you kind of know what to expect or how to be portrayed a certain way. Yeah. I mean, what did you like when when the episodes started airing on your season? Were you like, wow, I did not realize Crystal was this way or were you aware? Mm. She was definitely worse watching back than I thought she was. Yeah, because I guess I, I guess same with Crystal as it is with the two girls we're going to talk about next with Cassidy and Shanae. It seemed like a lot of the stuff that Crystal did. Now, granted, she did do some stuff in front of all of you, but it seems like a her lot ITMs. of the stuff and her personality were in her ITMs, and you don't see that until the episode airs. But you know, the bowling group date and the thing, the pencil date comment she made in the car or something like that. From yeah, um, you know, that was in front of other women, and then you know, walking away when he told her or whatever, come to dinner later, whatever it was. I remembering bits and pieces, but um, yeah, it's when, when you were there, obviously you just said, I, I didn't think she was as bad as when I saw it air. And I'm like, wow. And that's because of the ITMs I'm assuming. Right. Yep. She honestly didn't do anything that bad. I mean, she, she just graded on people. That was her biggest problem. But what did she grade on people? What, what was it about her that graded on people? The way she talked to them? The way she ignored them? Was she just, was she the, I don't, I'm not here to make friends with any of you. I'm here for Ari girl. Um, she had a really affected voice, as you may remember. And that, I think, made her seem kind of fake and uh, cloying. And then she... It was this mix between this like sort of like babyish voice, I'm so innocent, and then doing things uh, like getting extremely angry about the bowling date kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I like I never had beef with her, so it's hard for me to say what some of the other. It w- it was like watching somebody become more and more un not literally unhinged, but like she was clearly like losing her cool throughout the season. And that's not surprising because she probably realized what was happening to her throughout the season. She was getting more and more isolated from the other women, um, probably getting more and more scared. Like 
and she just sort of started getting kind of angry. Mm. <laughs> and then that, that was just ostracizing. So, but yeah, I mean, the most, the, the only thing I really found shocking about her behavior was like, was what she said in the ITMs, and then and then the car ride back from bowling when she lost it. But I mean, it's not like she was mean to us. She was just shit talking Ari. Well, is 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 this a common thing amongst the show? And I don't know if it's different for the men and the women, but when you get a one-on-one date, isn't it commonplace to come back and talk about it? Yeah, that that put a target on her back immediately. Because she didn't, didn't she come I, back from that date, her one on one, where she got to go to took a jet to to Arizona and met Ari's family. Didn't she come back from that date and not talk about it with anybody and not tell anybody anything? Yeah, but like that's not that that's not. I mean, that is her prerogative. You know, yeah, like, it's her prerogative. But isn't it within the confines of the show? Isn't that immediately looked at by the rest of the house as okay? That's. When everyone else is talking about their date and you choose not to, while it is your decision to do that and you have every right to, doesn't that immediately put you on the outs with basically the rest I mean, of the house? It, it did to her, yeah. Yeah. So I guess so. Yeah. Did you talk about yours when you got back and tell people like, hey, we did this? Or yeah. Least... I mean, by that point, the group was much smaller. So yeah. I think I, I mean, I certainly talked about it with Kendall and Jenna, I assume. But it was kind of like I came back. And didn't have much time, and then we like immediately went into a rose ceremony, and so then after that, you know, the group was smaller. So hmm. by it, then, I feel like I was just pretty much hanging out with Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's certainly interesting, and I and I've heard it obviously in talking to former contestants through the years. It just seems like, I mean, we 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 get the character every season, and we'll get to Shanae in a second. But it, we get the character every season that's like, hey, I'm not here to be friends and. And play kumbaya with everybody. I'm here for the lead. I'm here to fall in love. And it's just like it, those type of people just seem like are missing the boat, and they either are ch- are choosing not to live in the reality of this, what this show is, and what you kind of need to do to survive, versus uh-huh. or just they're not they don't have great social skills because while you don't have to become BFFs with everyone in the house and play kumbaya and braid each other's hair you do have to be social with everybody or else you will immediately be targeted i don't know how people don't see that yet rooted out i don't know how they don't either i don't know if people are going in and trying to be the villain because they know it'll get them airtime i don't know shanae fascinates me this is like she's like she's such a terrible she's portrayed as such a terrible person yeah uh and i I, I wouldn't be mad if she stuck around for another week because it's like the most entertaining villain we've had in a very long time, I think. Oh, you've you've got time. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> she she's uh, she ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but oh, I, shit. I I do want to talk about Cassidy and and Shanae. First off, I want to talk. I want to get your take on both of them. So I want to talk about Cassidy first. Now, with Cassidy, this this whole notion. Of, of dating or seeing or hooking up with someone pre-show is so tired and played out now that <laughs> I, I try not to dwell on it anymore. And trust me, I was the first one years ago that was – it's one of the places where I've just changed my whole thought process on it because before I used to report that immediately. Now, seemingly, I get tips about so many contestants, especially ones on, on Clayton season – <laughs> who 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 were with someone before filming and they ghosted them and it's just it's just not a big deal to me anymore. So with that said, 
what did you think of the Cassidy situation? How do you think Clayton handled it with her? Uh, I mean, I think he handled it just fine. I didn't think she did anything wrong. Like, I don't, I mean, she clearly called the idea that it would be wrong to have a friends with benefits and then go on this show is preposterous. Like a friends with benefits, a friend with benefits is by definition, not a relationship. So, and you can have a friend with benefits, like you can have like four of them just spread out all over the country so that you like see occasionally. But the point is, is that once you commit to somebody, you just stop giving the benefits. I mean, it's like pretty cut and dry. So, I mean, a lot of women have that kind of situation going in. Oh yeah. And then the fact that the fact that they're expected to be this pure and to have not had anybody even on the horizon when they're about to go into a situation where the guy that they are dedicated and committed to is dating 30 people is just like, come on. And they know essentially they're going to get dumped. Like, I don't know why anybody would <laughs> cut off a friend with benefits situation for that. And I think maybe it's just because the show takes itself so seriously. It's why Paradise is a little more loosey-goosey and Mm -hmm. free-flowing. But this main show, they're so focused on here for the right reasons and engagement at the, you know, you you need to be ready to be engaged at the end of this thing because basically that's what they want. And I guess while she didn't do anything wrong with, again, within the confines of this show and its format and its structure it just gives off this vibe that you're not taking this process seriously. Cause that's all it was, was she's not taking it seriously. If she's basically banging somebody right before she left. And even though m- many others are, and many others on his season are, and many others on Ari's season were, and many other on Nick's season were, and just go down the list. I mean, a lot of the women and a lot of the men are hooking up with somebody before they go on this show. And I guess it's just a matter of how they handled it before they left. Did they ghost them? Did they never even tell them? Because then you get into, well, this person might just not be a good person as opposed to, um, you know, Cassidy. I don't know what she told this guy and and what she said and how she told them I'm going on this show, whatever the case may be. Like you said, she didn't commit a crime. It wasn't anything really bad. And there are... I just don't think it's I don't I just don't think it's true that that proves she wasn't taking it seriously. It seems like she took the show pretty seriously. Like, just because you have a friend, like, I mean, the way dating works, especially is like, you know, you're often dating multiple people at the same time. And then one of them pulls ahead, you know, (laughs) start dating them. Like, it's just not unusual. I mean, I was, I had just met somebody two weeks before the show that I was crazy about. And I mean, I like talked to him from the airport in LA and he knew where I was going and then I went there and I still had feelings for him. But then I was like, I'm going to invest myself in this process. And then I had feelings for Ari. And then that relationship started to take off. And then, but it's like, so it's like, just because I liked this other guy, doesn't mean that I wasn't then totally open to feelings for Ari. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. And Cassidy wasn't even talking about having feelings for this guy. She just fucked him. Like, who cares? And she explained that. I think the reason I think Colton handled it okay is because he really focused on, damn it. (laughs) He really, he he really focused on how she answered. And that was kind of indicative of like, you know, she like vehemently denied it. She tried to like, just kind of obscure what she was saying. Like, I'm not, I was not talking. I was not dating anybody who I would be in a relationship with. (laughs) Like She was saying things like that. 
Um, and then finally breaking down and telling him what was the deal. But yeah, I, I just think it's, it is comical because I just think the fan base of this show and the way the show is formatted and structured just wants everybody. They want their audience to think that every single one of these people is single as a Pringle and had nothing going on in their lives before they appeared on this show and they are ready to fall in love. And it's just, it's not realistic. And now, now with Cassidy, I just didn't buy all the, like, it seemed like she was going over the top in her, she was, yeah, in her adoration for Clayton and how great it was. Because you also got to remember, and again, this could be the Stockholm syndrome of the show, but this is the first season that we've ever had where these women didn't have a previous season to watch Clayton on because Mm -hmm. by the time they knew he was the bachelor, Michelle's season hadn't yeah. started airing. So they're they're stuck with a guy, and then Cassidy's telling him how great he Much is. And, and Yeah, she, she was like love-bombing him. And I'm like, wait a second, you barely know this guy. <laughs> like, come on, Cassidy. It's like she was trying to – it was more of a you know competition and stuff that she said in her ITM made it seem that way, that she was playing a game versus she yeah, was she really him. Yeah, so then yeah. – which brings us to Shanae. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, she's she's been entertaining – See, there's two trains of thought here with her, that this is a woman that knew nothing about the show and is listening to whatever her her producer is telling her behind the scenes and reacting to the questions she's being asked in her ITMs, or she knows exactly how this show works and she's doing whatever she can to grab airtime. Because if, if you're Shanae and you're watching the show back, these first three episodes, I just don't know how you can look at yourself and be like, yeah. I think I'm handling myself really well around the women and in my ITMs. Like, you can't, she can't possibly look at it this way, can she? Is she that oblivious? Uh, I don't know. She seems it. I don't know what's edited, but the the ADHD stuff is what really makes me feel like she might be that oblivious. Huh. It was such a patently bad idea to go spread a mental health diagnosis around the house and then mock it. Like, yeah. she had to know that that would not go over well with the public or with anybody. So, and she's still doing it. (laughs) I guess it's just a few days later in real time, but I don't know. I mean, it's incredibly bizarre. I I, like, I I don't, I don't know if production or editors are like magical enough to paint her (laughs) this way if she wasn't. Maybe. But I mean, again, if she's doing this, I mean, how much of this falls on production? Production is allowing her and an ITM to make fun of Elizabeth's ADHD. So they're yeah, complicit in this. You can't, you know, you can talk about all your producers that you love and you love Todd and you love, you know, whatever. They're allowing it, you know. They're allowing this to happen. Nobody is telling her an ITM, hey, you know, Sinead, you're, you're crossing the line here. They're loving the fact that she's ripping on Elizabeth's ADHD. And I'm sorry, they should get shit for it. Yeah, that's legitimate. I mean, I guess the one thing is that Elizabeth like came out and said it herself first before anything. I mean, obviously that's how Shanae found out. Um, and then they couldn't necessarily control Shanae like, going in and saying that in front of all the girls. So the cat was out of the bag in a sense. The mocking, I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. It clearly makes Shanae look like a shithead. Yeah. So, I mean... <sighs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if, like, I have ADHD, and I was not hurt by anything Sinead said. I thought it was, like, it was just so, so preposterous. Um, but, yeah, perhaps, like, people out there are pretty hurt 
by that. Um, I mean, the one thing I'll say about that is that Elizabeth clearly wasn't trying to make a big deal out of it. And I think when you do have ADHD, you have to tell a lot of people because you're trying to like, <laughs> like explain your behavior. Because if you do have ADHD, you can come across as pretty hurtful because you forget, you know, you forget a lot of details of conversation or if you forget birthdays or you show up late or you're incredibly disorganized, so you let things slip. Um, and that can really piss people off. And so, um, it can feel like, okay, well, I have to, like, I have to let them know about this so that they don't know that it's, or so that they know it's not personal. It's not just that I don't care about them. And that's why I, which is basically what she, what Elizabeth did. And then Shanae took it as though Elizabeth was like trying to excuse her behavior with like this, like that she was trying to like open up and almost manipulate her by using this mental health diagnosis. And then she's spreading it all over as though it's like, Oh, poor Elizabeth. I could just, that, that was like a super annoying thing to do. And if I were Elizabeth, I would have been really pissed and just felt like I'm not, tr I'm not trying to do a woe is me thing. I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to sympathize with me. I'm just trying to explain that it wasn't personal. And now you're making it seem like I'm, you know, trying to grab sympathy. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, you, like you said, you suffer from ADHD as well. Can you kind of shed light on, because I don't think a lot of people really know what exactly someone who has ADHD has to deal with and what is the difference? I mean, I know attention deficit, Hi, what is it? A attention deficit hyper. What is it? Hyperactive. Yeah, hyperactive. Hyper. Okay. Versus ADD. Um, can ADD you... is no longer a diagnosis. Oh, it isn't. No, but basically ADHD is split into three different subtypes. So one is the primarily inattentive subtype, which is what I have, and then there's a primarily hyperactive subtype, and then there's a combined presentation. You have both. So that's why ADD kind of went out the window. They're just like, ah, okay. you're just saying it's like inattentive subtype now. I mean, it's different for everybody, right? Like for for you, it's I mean, it's the, it's just sometimes you just lose focus and pay, don't pay attention. Yeah, I mean, for me, it feels like I am constantly um, tight roping above a volcano in some sense. Like I'm constantly just trying to keep things together or maybe a better metaphor would be it's like it's like I'm holding like a bunch of pool noodles and um, beach balls and marbles in my arms at all time like trying not to let any of them slip and they all keep sort of like the marbles all keep falling out like you're just you're so it's so hard to be organized and honestly even getting organized can feel like just the most frustrating boring process in the world so my brain is just like not going to do it i'm not going to do it you'll do it later and you're just always trying to keep things together but things keep slipping and then like when you try to focus on something it's just so hard to get your mind to actually do it unless you're just inherently incredibly interested in it in which case you can just focus all day long so hmm. and then and then you know it, it's just like automatic behaviors like paul is always irritated that he's trying to tell me a story and i'm like looking at my phone or i start cooking um or i'll like interrupt with some random point um so and it's like shit i'm not trying to hurt you i'm not trying to i'm not trying to show that i'm um not not, not caring or, or flippant or whatever it's just that my brain just automatically is like grabbing 
at everything. At the same time, I mean, ADHD isn't like the worst thing in the world. Like it comes with benefits. People with ADHD are typically more creative, spontaneous. They can be more fun and extroverted um, because they <laughs> they need um, there's there's a theory that it's basically like a a low dopamine syndrome. I don't know how tested this has been, but that basically like dopamine is kind of like the reward hormone. Like whenever you feel a reward, you get a boost of dopamine. Um, and so basically people with ADHD need to grab at more and more things to get their dopamine rush. And it's really hard to do kind of mundane things because there's absolutely no reward associated with it. Like they don't have enough dopamine to kind of get them through it. That's one theory. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. Did not know that. I, I and I, I didn't even know like what the effects ADHD has on somebody in terms of you. Like you said, it's different for everybody. But just what you went through, I find that interesting. I didn't. I didn't know that that you're mm-hmm. constantly in that state. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, by what Cassidy and Shanae have done on this show, again, we visit this every season now. And that's the trolls and the fan base of this show, the toxic fan base of this show uh, that now has to attack them, send them death threats, call them names weird. and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's happening. And, you know, you get labeled as a villain on the show and you act the way um, or, you, you know, something happens to you on the show like it did with Cassidy. And now it's happening with Shanae. You know, Cassidy is yesterday's news now. Shanae will be the talk of the show for as long as she remains on it. No one will remember Cassidy in two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. so Cassidy will be out of the woods because Shanae will take her spot. Um, but Shanae is going to be dealing with a bunch of stuff. Like, like I've always said, you have the right to be criticized for what people see on TV, but nobody should be going to your comment section on your Instagram and calling you names. Nobody certainly should be sending death threats. But again, I just have such a struggle now with this because, you know, Shanae has not done anything on public on social media to defend and or apologize for anything that's being shown. Now, maybe <laughs> maybe she's being told not to because she's got to wait till women tell all. And the women tell all is going to be a one big two hour pile on on Cassidy and Shanae. We all know it's coming. So prepare uh-huh. yourselves for it because that's all it's going to be, because that's the, the drama. The season was caused by those two women and it will be a full on pile on at the women tell all now. If you're Shanae, and me being, you know, someone who's been involved with this show for years on end and feel like I can give good advice to contestants, whether or not they want to listen to me is a completely different story. But, you know, Shanae's only Shanae's only saving grace here, and the only thing that she should be doing, either on social media, which she hasn't done yet, or at the Women Tell All, is apologize for the way she acted. Period. End of story. And she's not going to do it because nobody wants to see that. And the show doesn't want to see that. They want to see the women attack her. And if she sits up there and cries and apologizes the whole time and the women attack her, then they look bad for attacking a woman who's sitting there and apologizing for the way she acted. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's how she should act and that's what she should do and just say, wow, I totally got carried away. It was in the moment. I was caught up in a lot of emotions. A lot was going on. I I felt lost. I felt like I didn't have any friends, and I just lashed out, and I shouldn't have done that, and I apologize to all of you women sitting here on stage. That's that's what she should do, and we know 100% that's not what she will say. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just not going to happen. It's not. It's not Maybe good TV. Listen to this podcast and be like, oh, yeah, because okay. it's not because it's not good TV. People don't want it. They want to see Shanae be attacked, or they want to see Shanae have to, you know, own up to what she did, which she should. Yeah, and it's just it's it's not going to happen. She she should have done it by now, unless she's being told not to and saved save it for the women tell all. But I see plenty of women of this show posting Instagram stories and saying things here and there that are a little bit about the show. And Shanae's literally reposting anybody that says Shanae's great TV. Like, that's the route she's taking. <laughs> you know? That's what she's reposting and retweeting. Uh, or re- very funny. Reposting I, on Instagram. It's, it's so funny that people care enough to send death threats. I mean, that is just the most bizarre behavior to me. Like, I don't... It's Shanae. I mean, she is great TV. Like, why can't we leave it at? I mean, I can understand being offended by the ADHD thing, but why can't we just leave the rest of it at like, well, this girl's weird. I mean, I don't yeah. know how to explain what's going on with her, but I can't imagine getting angry because of it. That's just so bizarre. Well, that's the thing. Like you just said, like you can absolutely be offended by what she's saying about ADHD, but that doesn't mean you need to go tell her to kill herself. Like what? <laughs> just be just just be internally angry and let it bother you for five seconds and move on with your life well and the idea that you could be offended about somebody mocking a mental health disorder and then go and tell that person to commit suicide (laughs) is you know quite ironic yeah yeah Yeah, i mean it's just it sucks and then you know i and we we've heard it um i mean i've even heard it from people on this on this season who aren't getting a bad at it that and this is like this is like now the mantra of any contestant that goes on the show at some point during the season on social media when the show is airing we will get a hey just remember these are real people with real feelings like it is <laughs> it is the new mantra of the show we are real people with real feelings and we hurt just as much as it. it's just like i'm almost getting tired of that like i you know it's almost like there's a part of me that doesn't feel sorry anymore because while you don't truly know what you're getting into until you get there and people can tell you, you know, you can talk to former contestants before you go on the show and, Hey, what can I expect? And what should I do? And this and that you don't truly know until you're there, but Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You got 43 seasons to go of and all the stuff that's on the entertainment sites and the gossip blogs and all that stuff. You, you know, what is possible to happen if you act a certain way on this show? And I don't know this whole, we're real people with real feelings thing. It's just, it's like, it's the boy who cried wolf. It's like, we're hearing it so many times that it's just like going in one ear and out the other now. Yeah. I mean, I think what women don't realize, like they, they go in knowing that they're going to get online hate, but I think the thing they don't realize is how they'll react to it and how much it'll hurt because it's very easy to say, Oh, if somebody sent me a death threat, I would just be like, well, that's stupid. Like that's obviously something wrong with you. But when you get that, I mean, even when I would get mildly critical messages, it would just be this like hit of negative. Like I just taken a shot of negativity Hmm. and it would just kind of fester for a while. And then you get a lot of that. And then, you know, you, you, it's like people can think that they don't care what other people think about them, but they do. I mean, the vast majority of people do, and they actually care really intensely. And what's really weird is that when you go along in your own world, like you don't see what people say behind your back. Like, you know, you just, you just experience the people who love you and are treating you kindly because they're in front of your face 
And then, of course, they're going to criticize you and talk about some things you, you did. And they're going to they're going to talk about it amongst their own friends so that they can process it and then come back and be a good friend again. So you, you miss this whole sort of segment of your uh, of how people talk about you and think about you. And then as soon as you're on the show, you get to see all of it. And it's really nasty. And it's it's just really hurtful and it's hard to contend with like oh this is how people see me i had no idea and so i don't think people understand how much that will hurt and how sensitive they'll be to it and so i think that's why they're still shocked like they go in thinking of course i can handle this whatever you know a few negative comments they don't really know me and then that's the advice you get from people you know it's like look these people are basement dwellers they don't really know you um that you know they just saw an image of you on tv it's like well yeah but you don't understand how much this hurts like i don't know why i can't take that perspective i wish i could have that attitude but all i feel is like bad and shame and like angry <laughs> i mean so i yeah i don't think people know what they're getting into it and that's well how how much of that is when you say that people on this show try to pretend they don't aren't affected by negative comments when they really are. How much of that also has to do with the fact of, you know, the post-show opportunities of this show? Because let's face it, if you're not liked, that'll kill any follower increase, engagement, which then hurts what you might want to do post-show. Mm -hmm. And it's got to play a little bit of a role. And I think, you know, maybe someone like Shanae is clearly not going to get any sort of endorsement deal after the show, you wouldn't think. Um, but I just, you know, you look at it and knowing the past successes of numerous women from this franchise, cause it seems like the women most definitely profit more post-show than, than men, because this is a show watched mainly by women mm-hmm. that it's, it's a lot easier for the women to get on and hawk product and do ads and stuff like that and, and make money off mm-hmm. this show post-show that, yeah, you want to be you want to be liked by the fan base because it yeah. helps your, it helps your income down the road possibly. A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons that I read Reddit comments back in the day was I was trying to figure out if what I was doing was working. I didn't know how to be famous. Nobody. I mean, I guess, I guess now that the show takes some influencers, they know how, but it's really weird because when I came off of this show, so many people immediately told me like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You need to brand yourself this way. You need to brand yourself this way. Um, take these kinds of pictures, post these, like post these kinds of captions. And I had no idea what to do. And it made me so fucking anxious and I was like, I felt like I was letting this opportunity slip by. And so then I would go on Reddit and be like, how is this working? Oh, it's not. Oh, God. Okay. Now what do I do? Everybody hates me. Uh, and then I just eventually decided like this isn't worth it and I'm going to go to school anyway. But yeah, I mean, it, it's like it's both, you know, you're not supposed to read the negativity, but you also in order to build a successful brand, you kind of have to know what's working and what's not working. Yeah. So. And I think, I mean, people can say don't read the stuff about you. Now, it's easy to avoid Reddit. Like, you have to actively go on and search to right. find Reddit. But when you get stuff in your DMs, like while you're getting a ton of compliments as well, mm-hmm. you can't know you're getting something negative in your emails or your DMs unless you read it. And you're obviously going to read stuff that is sent to you personally. So there's also that. Like, you can avoid stuff online. While it might not be easy, it is possible to avoid 
it's not hard. It is hard to avoid stuff directly sent to you or written on your Instagram page. And Correct. Also, sometimes that. like this thing happened to me where people would send me Reddit threads. They'd be like, oh, this is so nice. You should read this. And then I read it and then like four comments down to something incredibly nasty, something fuck. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it, I still, I still chose to click on that link, knowing the, you know, the perils ahead. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like people just, you know, they just post comments, and like you're, you're supposed to like engaging more, even like over DMs, right? It boosts your engagement overall, and then yeah, that that translates into dollars eventually. So it's pretty impossible to avoid unless you just say, I don't care about the social media thing at all. I'm going to forego the money. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to whatever I was doing and I'm, I'm not going to get into the influencer or YouTube or TikTok world post show, which is very few of the contestants now it just seems like that's what they all do. I mean, your season was f- what, five years ago now? Five, five, six. When was your season? Um, it was 2018. So four. Yeah. It aired in eight. You filmed in 17. It aired in 18. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you're looking at, yeah, four four years, and obviously things have gotten bigger in the Instagram and TikTok world since then. But mm-hmm. um, plenty of women on your season have done well for themselves post show in the influencer Instagram world, you know, yep. um, and the podcast world. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm just off the top of my head, but you know, God, who's? I mean, Becca has a podcast and um who tia has a podcast and uh you know lauren uh, you know ari's wife they've got a whole brand that they do and they've got three kids and um yeah there's there's so many people that can just from your season oh becca has a podcast (laughs) that she does oh yeah oh i thought you meant yeah both well actually yeah both yeah when i said becca I, i was thinking becca Martinez because she's okay, yeah. so high on my list of people that I love. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's one of these things where it, that's why the show, you know, we talk about how do people not understand? There's no way they don't know coming on to this thing. It's just like, okay, it's why the show has changed so much because social media has changed this show, whether you want to say it's for good or bad I, for, for, for quite a few contestants, it has changed the show for good. And, you know, some people complain about, oh, why are they casting all these influencers? I don't think they're casting influencers. They're casting regular people who become influencers. And I, this notion that, oh, the show only goes after influencers now, that's not necessarily true. Most of these women, what? all you got to do is go to Bachelor Data's website or, or Instagram account and just see the day that they release the cast list, most of these women have less than 5,000 followers when the show starts. So they're clearly not influencers, but you last mm-hmm. long enough, you get popular, you become one of a fan favorite, and then your Instagram following grows. Then you have the ability to become an influencer. Mm-hmm. But people don't understand that. They just like, oh, this show only looks at and casts influencers now. No. Now, this show only casts people that are size zero, two, or four, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, that's a whole different topic, but they don't just go after influencers because then they would be casting people. They'd be just going straight to TikTok and finding Instagram people that already have hundreds of thousands of followers. And that's just it's just not the case. But, yeah, some people luck out and gain such a huge following that they can be influencers post show. Um, I had 300 followers when I went on the show. Did you? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way it is. I mean, I, I don't know what the numbers are. I remember I wrote them down the day this 
Clayton's women were released, and I released all the names of the women and found all their Instagram accounts. I think one girl had like thirty thousand or forty thousand, um, mm-hmm. and everyone else was like well under five. You know, most were under ten, and almost everyone was under five, and some had in the hundreds and maybe one a little over a thousand. And that's the way it is every single season, and that's why Bachelor Data's Instagram account is is so great, and Susanna does such a great job with that. Is you can track it. All you got to do is go back. You know, when when mid March and Clayton's finale airs. Go to Bachelor Data's Instagram account and go look at everybody's Instagram following when the names were announced or, you know, January 3rd when the first episode aired. And it's it's night and day because people start following once the show is in front of their faces and they feel like they can relate to somebody. Oh, I want to follow her and see what she does post show and all that stuff. And that's mm-hmm. where we're at. Um, OK, no more talking about this show. I didn't think we'd spend as much time as we did on it, but <laughs> good stuff there. Um, since we were last speaking. You had mm-hmm. a major event in your life. Woohoo. You got engaged. And I did. Now, tell everyone the story that hasn't followed it, doesn't know about it, because I wouldn't say it was a traditional engagement, which is kind of exactly the way you wanted it. You are not a traditional person, at least that comes across to me. Um, <laughs> you've never really, you just kind of do your own thing. And I think the way this came about was. I, I love the fact that you were somebody who you knew you were getting engaged, yet mm-hmm. you didn't think that there would be any way that Paul could surprise you, and he did. So why don't you tell everyone what happened? Is the non-traditional part you're talking about that I proposed to him too? That you proposed first? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole thing was like, it it wasn't that I was trying to be non-traditional or anything like that. It was more kind of organic. Like, we've been talking about marriage since very early on in our relationship, like first month, which is probably a problem. (laughs) But uh, we, so, I mean, basically, like, I had proposed, I, I proposed to him because early on in our relationship, we had a lot of problems. And the problems were due to me being kind of avoidantly attached and like not expressing my emotions very much. Like it's difficult for me to say, I love you. And also I like went in really hard with him and then I pulled out really hard. Cause that's like my pattern in relationships. It's really lovely. And so he was left, left being like pretty insecure and just not feeling like he could trust the relationship and it led to a lot of problems. So I had kind of thought of like, Oh, you know, I know he wants to get married. So if he asked me, it wouldn't really be a surprise. But if I asked him, I would probably give him so much security. And that would that would actually be much more romantic. But then I kind of dropped the idea because our relationship improved drastically. And I wanted to propose to me because I'd always dreamed of a proposal, you know. But the point is, is that we I just like happened to mention this to him. Like, oh, I had had this thought and he knew he was going to propose to me. And so he was like, oh, damn it. Now I want now I want you to propose to me like I want one. So I just <laughs> I just proposed to him because he wanted one. And it was like Paul and I really like throwing parties and um, we're big gift givers. And so we're kind of like a, we just like we do sort of extreme things like we celebrate a lot of anniversaries, even month anniversaries sometimes. And it's really just like, it keeps us entertained during COVID gives us something to do and look forward to. And we just like celebrating stuff. So, but the other thing is like, 
the reason we kind of solidified the timeline was because I went through the fertility, I had the fertility problems and thought I had endometriosis. And basically that was like a do or die situation. It's like, we got to really figure out whether this, whether we're going to have kids together. And then if so, like we got to get married kind of quickly. So we um, decided we were going to get married that next summer. And so July, and then we like booked a wedding venue before either of us had even proposed. And then, um, you know, we, like I picked out my own ring because we were planning on just going ring shopping. And then like, I would point out the kind of things that I liked, but the place was having a sale and we found the perfect diamond. <laughs> like, so we just kind of jumped on it. And I mean, it's the whole thing is basically like, I had always envisioned the proposal, like everybody else guy would secretly get a ring. I would have no idea it was coming. And then you'd get on with down on one knee to be so romantic. But it was really more that like life happened instead. And that kind of proposal just what, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be in the cards. Like it wouldn't be surprising because we already had to make these decisions jointly. So yeah. So I proposed to him. It was just this fun little thing, but his proposal was always supposed to be the proposal. And when Paul decides to do something, he just like knocks it out of the park. Like he really goes like a thousand percent on things. So basically Caroline Kendall and I are in this egg freezing documentary. So like every time we go, to see Dr. Amy, then there is a filmographer there. And, um, you know, we spend a lot of time doing B-roll and interviews and et cetera. And so I, oh God, for my B-roll shots on this movie, the documentarian wanted me to paint this painting, which I was okay with, but I was also like really exhausted by the egg freezing medications and i like really don't like this painting <laughs> i'm just saying this like i feel like kind of embarrassed about this kind of product um but the point is is that i when they told me i was going to do b-roll in an art gallery i was like oh yeah it makes sense they're portraying me as this like painter even though i'm very much just a hobbyist so anyway we i'm i'm in california starting the fertility meds with caroline and kendall and we're like, we know that we have to go to this art gallery and um, we're just doing B-roll, walking around. We're all looking really cute. You know, Caroline and Kendall, like, are all dolled up. And so then I got dolled up and Caroline did my hair and stuff. And um, this is in San Ramon, California, by the way. So like kind of a random place. And I'm walking through this art gallery and all of a sudden I see this painting and I'm like, that looks like Paul's work. Like it was dramatically different from all the other artwork there. And then I see a signature. I'm like, that's Paul's signature. And everybody's just kind of ignoring me for a good <laughs> 10 seconds. And I'm just like, what the fuck? So all these crazy thoughts start going in my head. Like, just like, did somebody, like, is there another artist that happens to paint just like Paul? Like, did Paul steal this guy's signature? Did this guy feel Paul's signature? Like, this is so weird. And I think I had the thought, like, is he going to propose? But nobody came out. Um, so I was just really confused. And then all of a sudden, Paul comes out. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> In random San Ramon, while I'm egg freezing, this happens. And then all of a sudden, like, seven of my friends walk out. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, everybody flew out. And then my parents walk out. And then it was this two-day celebration, basically, where we, like, went on a boat and went to a Michelin start restaurant. And then the next day, we all went to Napa and, like, had a whole day in Napa. And it turns out Kendall wasn't even freezing her eggs. She was having pretend appointments with Dr. Amy. Um, and Caroline had really like 
designed this proposal basically with Paul. They have become really good friends. They were like, they had fake names in each other's phones. So I wouldn't be suspicious that they were calling each other constantly. Um, wow. Yeah. Caroline had been like in touch with my mom that whole time. So Caroline is like such a fucking good friend and also needs to open a business for de- designing proposals. Cause it was such a shock <laughs> and it was so well done. The only problem was that I drank a ton of sake the night before and was like monstrously hungover. So <laughs> Paul was like, Caroline, how did you let this happen? <laughs> Uh, wow. So. I mean, now that it's after the fact, you mm-hmm. obviously know how far in advance did he start planning this? I mean, months. Um, I knew he was planning it and I knew he said it, it was going to be epic. So I was expecting something pretty impressive, but he was tricking me into thinking that it was in Raleigh, Durham area. Because yeah. he's like, there's no Michelin starred restaurants around here. So sorry, that can't be part of it. <laughs> I had some suggestions for what, what could be in my proposal, including a boat, a Michelin-starred restaurant, and a two-day celebration. So I got all of those things. Um, yeah, the thing that's kind of crazy is that he knew my egg freezing date before I did. Like, <laughs> I'm telling all my supervisors and stuff, like, I really don't know when I'm going. Like, this is really last minute. But he and Dr. Amy had been in touch, and they had like, designed a schedule for me before I even knew that that was my schedule. So... That's really yeah. cool. I mean, when I saw the video on your Instagram, I was like, wow, he, he, this took a lot of planning and not just like called your family up a week before and said, Hey, I'm proposing next week. Can you be here? It, this looks right. like, I mean, to, to, to make you, to, to have the engagement happen in a place where even though you knew it was coming, he was still able to surprise you. That shows how much planning went into this because. Oh, yeah. His planning, his planning consisted of throwing you off to making you think yeah. she know she's going to think it's coming at this time, but I'm going to get her before that. Basically, uh-huh. that I mean that's that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, on the other side of the country, when I'm like yeah. doing this thing that, yeah, it, it, yeah, <laughs> like you don't expect to be proposed to when you're like bloated and you know <laughs> hungover, sh- like <laughs> shooting yourself with medicine. <laughs> well, yeah, that was unfortunate, but. <laughs> So uh, now, I mean, obviously that was surprising. What was that? Like a month? How long ago was that? A month ago? Two months ago? When was it? Um, it was in December. Okay. So yeah, we're looking at a month ago. So um, what is, uh, fill everybody in on what's going on with your egg freezing story, this documentary that you're a part of. When does it, when does it come out? I think you're still editing it right now, which means I have a little bit of time to make this painting less terrible than it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I keep avoiding it, so I don't know. Um, I don't know when it comes out. I think she's going to try to you know, submit to some festivals first. And um, yeah, I mean, in terms of egg freezing, like it has, it definitely had a happy ending. It was a huge roller coaster. Um, you know, I first froze my eggs, only got four because there was a tumor covering an entire ovary. And then for whatever reason, the other ovary was just underproducing. Maybe it was random. It was that month. Maybe the tumor had something to do with it. I really don't know. But I went from thinking, and and first we thought it was endometriosis, right? So I went from thinking that I had this like, you know, real fertility threatening condition and, and a low egg reserve to, okay, turns out it's a benign teratoma, just this like scary tumor with like hair and fat and shit in it. Um, So we removed that. And 
then I went to freeze my eggs again. I thought I was going to have to do this three times because of the low egg count. And all of a sudden, my ovaries were like, I don't know. They were like having a party. I mean, we got 14 <laughs> eggs. So turns out I have no fertility issues, wow, which is great. pretty awesome. Yeah. But I would have if I hadn't checked into my fertility, right? Like that tumor was basically if I had left it, let, like if I would left it alone, it would have um, like created torsion and I would have lost my ovary. I was going to say, based on what you just said, if you weren't part of this documentary or did the egg freezing, would you have, would it have probably been too, how would you have found out about the tumor on your ovary? You probably wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know because nobody tells you to check into your fertility. Nobody tells you to get an ultrasound. So it's not like it was causing me any pain. I had no idea that anything was wrong. And you know, Birth control, I am a huge advocate of birth control, so don't take this as a, you know, don't go on birth control. But birth control can fuck with your period, and so and it can further obscure, like, what's going on with, you know, with your system. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like, a lot of times you can have hints that something is wrong because you have a super heavy period or an irregular period. But, like, you know, my birth control is doing that anyway. So, I mean, again, this is a PSA. Please, A, be on birth control, and B, like ask your oncologist to check on you like pay i mean insurance won't necessarily cover it but like pay 250 dollars to get an ultrasound so that they can count the number of follicles you have and make sure you don't have any growths or endometriosis Um, really it's really frustrating that like nobody knows what to do they don't know about modern fertility can test your hormone levels it can tell you if you have a normal egg reserve well at least it can yeah i mean it can tell you what your amh level is which corresponds to egg reserve so if, if I hadn't done this, yeah, I could have been pretty fucked. If I remember correctly, it must have been you. I think it had to have been you. The only other person I know going through this that I follow on Instagram was Ashley Spivey, and I don't think that she was posting this. Weren't you posting pictures of the Teratoma dude? Like, or like, yeah. you, know, you, you were making like jokes about how ugly it was, this hairy thing going on. Well, teratomas are just nuts. I mean, they can have teeth in them. I was really hoping for a tooth, but I didn't get one. Um, mine had fat, skin, hair, and fluid. What? But you can have, like, bone and teeth and muscle, and it's crazy. And, and wait, okay, so what – I remember seeing it on your Instagram story and not knowing what the hell it was other than what you were explaining. So what is it exactly, a teratoma? It's just a tumor. I mean, I, I don't really know much about it either. It's just for some reason. But it can look a certain way. It can look like it has a, like a like a little like a, a, a gnome or a, a troll or something like that from the movies. <laughs> like it's got yeah, I mean, a my, face and teeth. My, it doesn't have a face, but yeah, it can have oh. teeth. I mean, my joke is that my ovary tried to create a little human without any sperm um, because teratomas do like they they mm. kind of look like a mashed like a mashed potato human like they've got all the makings of a human but it's just like a glob of grossness so yeah i remember showing that to paul he's like that's the most fucking disgusting thing i've ever seen <laughs> yeah i remember seeing the picture and being like thanks for sharing this <laughs> everybody was asking me to it's not like i just did that i got so many messages being like show us a teratoma <laughs> like wow i didn't i didn't realize that many people were into Teratomas. It must have been. I, 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 I mean, unless a, a guy and his significant other had gone through it, I, I just can't imagine many guys know what a teratoma is. I certainly didn't. No, I didn't either. Yeah. 
<coughs> yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm glad everything worked out. I'm glad things are great with your fertility and you're not going through something rough like that. Um, yeah. That you got through the tumor and you don't have endometriosis. Like things really worked out for you. And I'm very happy yeah. to hear that. I think I'm going to go off birth control right after the wedding too. So oh, well, could, there you go. Could be babies. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, join the, join the bachelor nation crowd. It seems like everybody is, it's either babies or breakups. That's really what's happening right now in this franchise. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that breakups were occurring. Um, I mean, Riley and Marissa broke up. Did you know about that? Oh, uh, no, I didn't. Yeah. They broke up. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I don't want to say it's funny because breakups suck regardless, mm-hmm. but it's, it's humorous in that, um, like I, I don't, you know, I don't know Riley or Marissa. I, whether they stayed together for seventy years or broke up next month, it doesn't affect my life in any way, shape, or form. And um, mm-hmm. so I don't really let it get to me. But it's just when you're, it's it. They just their pattern from the second Bachelor in Paradise ended just followed so many others that it's just. I always like to point it out. Like if you're a couple on the show, whether you're the final couple on Bachelorette, final couple on Bachelor, or a couple that comes out of Bachelor in Paradise, mm-hmm. pretty much all of them, I can't think of one that hasn't, pretty much all of them, once you get off the show and you can officially be a couple, you post Instagram stories together, you have pictures on your feed together of each other. Like, it's mm-hmm. you're telling everybody we're a couple. Mm-hmm. The second those pictures stop becoming <laughs> frequent, yeah, everybody just either starts suspecting something, and for the most part, it's always been right. And <laughs> right around Christmas time, Marissa deleted every picture of her Instagram feed of Riley, yet there was no announcement of a breakup. It's just like, okay, they obviously are no longer together because why else would you have been together for six months and post pictures and Instagram stories all the time and now delete all his pictures if you were still together? It's clear they weren't. And then we got the announcement earlier uh, this week that uh, they officially announced. But everybody's known for the last one. It was like the worst kept secret because it's kind of clear that if you take all your boyfriend's pictures off your Instagram page, you're probably no longer together. It doesn't. What What do you think about taking off all the photos of your ex from your social media? Are you talking about if you're in a new relationship, or you're talking about what Marissa did? Either. See, I have not been in a lot of relationships. So in terms mm-hmm. of since the social media has blown up, mm-hmm. um, so I, I'm thinking about this right now on the spot. Um, if I, so you're okay. So you're saying like, well, see, I'm see the thing is I'm a private person, and I'm mm-hmm. not posting a ton on my feed. If I do stuff like when I was dating Cat, all of the stuff that we ever did was always on both of our Instagram stories. We just never put stuff on our feed because my reality Steve Instagram account is mostly show stuff yeah. and it's not personal stuff and same with hers hers is ads and stuff like that she never posts with anybody that she's dating but she'll put it on her stories so i, I guess it's different for, I, I guess i can't answer that question because or i'm not a good person because i'm so private when it comes to my personal life that i yeah. would and i'm not going to hide who i'm dating um once i consider it somewhat serious but i'm not putting it on my feed so and I'm not doing a ton of stories. I would do stories here and there. So, um, but so I'd have to take it from the other perspective, which is my significant other. If they were mm-hmm. someone that posted me a lot on their feed, 
Um, or if I start dating them and they had an ex and their ex was still up on their feed, would I care? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would. I say that now, but maybe it would bother me. I guess, I guess it all depends on situation and are they still like talking to the guy every day or is he still a major yeah. part of their life? How many years ago was this? If it was an ex from five years ago. No, I wouldn't care. But yeah. if I was dating somebody who had just gotten out of a relationship two, three months earlier and had a ton of shit on her Instagram feed of her and her boyfriend and now we were dating, I would maybe be like, why? I, I, I would maybe ask, like, what, what's your relationship mm-hmm. with him? Why is it still, what are you still talking to him? And then I would have to see. But something years ago? No, I, I don't yeah. That wouldn't affect me. I don't. I, I just. What about you? I I can definitely see why somebody would not want to look at that shit anymore. Like, <laughs> you had a bad breakup, or it just makes you sad. Like, yeah, delete it from your from your grid because you don't want to look at it anymore. It's just it's just interesting when people do it as like a statement. Like I remember with Jordan Major, he deleted every single photo of me, and I they they're still on my feed just because I think they're dope pictures. But I'm just like, you can do that, but it won't actually erase history. So <laughs> <laughs> like. Were you upset when he did that or no? You didn't care? No. Okay. No. I mean, I was I was kind of upset in the sense that it immediately public public publicized that there was some that there was a breakup and it was a nasty one. <laughs> well, I mean, it just it just brings into question that the, the 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 thing that every couple from this franchise, whether it's the main show or Paradise, has to deal with that technically no, you don't owe the audience anything. But mm-hmm. You ask any couple from the show, there is a sense of we need to kind of share our love with them because they supported us during it. And you feel the need and probably some sort of pressure to almost I can't remember who it was recently that told me you absolutely feel pressure to stay together as a couple on this show because you feel like you're letting other people down if you break up, which is breakups happen all the time. But it's just that you got together on TV so now the breakup has to be public, even as you want to keep it as private as possible. It's just impossible from this show. Mm-hmm. And that's that's got to suck. It's got to be a lot of pressure. So for me, someone like me that, while I am somewhat of a public figure, I'm not on the level of you know reality show contestants. So I never thought that my uh, relationship with Kat was... Um, I, just think, I just think people cared. Like I was just like, I, I'm not a big enough name to where... We need to do an announcement. I think I did it on my live once when I was talking to Ashley. I'm like, yeah, Kat and I are seeing each other now. And that's how it came out. And, um, but well, like I, I think said, more importantly, like people go to you not for your personal life, but for a different purpose. But the yeah. whole reason that Bachelor people are famous is because of their personal life and their dating life. So well, people I, are invested. I really shot to my ego there, but okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, no, but yeah, I, I, it's just one of these things where I just don't care, but I know that there are a, there is a subset. I don't know how big the crowd is, but if I were to date somebody that was a somewhat public figure, whether it was a reality show contestant or whatever, or even maybe it wasn't, it would, it would interest some people just because they followed me for X amount of years and they'd want to know like, Oh, who is this guy dating? But then it just turns into, you know, you wonder what these people are then messaging cat. Cause I know cat got sent messages about me when I was Mm -hmm. dating her. She told me like, and she, but it never, it never got to her or affected her, but 
maybe it will to somebody else. You know, you never know. And, you mm-hmm. know, when the cat stuff was happening or when I was dating cat, you know, the, the thing that everything that went down with the Demi situation and um, my past writings and stuff like that, that cat and I were already broken up. So going forward, um, do I date somebody who's already well aware of all that? So I don't have to go through it with them again and explain everything or I, you know, I don't know. I, I would, for me personally, I'd like to be with somebody that already knows about that stuff and I don't have to explain it. You know, you should date who you like. And if you have to explain these things, you have to explain them. I know, but it's just, I'm just, I just hate talking about it. Cause it's just, it's so, it's I'm just sure embarrassing. It's annoying. Yeah. It's yeah. annoying and embarrassing. And, I don't want to bring it up. And most people that follow me already know it. So it's like, okay, we don't need to go there. And, um, I, you I give I, a lot of excuses for why you shouldn't be out there dating. So <laughs> I'm just going to shoot them out of the air. <laughs> not a good excuse. No, it, it, it's not, it's not a reason why I'm not. I'm just saying I prefer to date somebody who already knows it. Uh huh. Yeah, sure. That's <laughs> fine. Don't believe me. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I haven't dated anybody seriously since God. I've definitely been interested in a few people and, Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I have not had a girlfriend, uh, since cat and I wouldn't let the Demi stuff prevent me from dating anybody. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, the whole idea of if you know nothing about it and you know, someone has to Google me and wait, what's this? It's just like, Oh, great. I'd rather just somebody already know. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize you were talking about the Demi stuff. I thought you were talking just about like the social media people like peeking into your lives. Oh, no, no. I was talking about specifically relaying the Demi story. I'd rather people already that. Oh, no. Yeah. No shit. You don't want to do that. I I understand now. Okay. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I think that was. Yeah, that would. Yeah, of course, that would suck to relay. Yeah. I just Um, don't want to have to, you know. Somebody that already knows me, follows me, listens to my podcast. They don't have to be like a super fan and listen to every single thing and read every word that I write, but already has an idea of what the whole situation was about, already knows about it, and I don't have to explain it. That's really all yeah. I'm talking about. Um, but it wouldn't keep you from dating somebody, right? <laughs> no, I don't. It wouldn't keep me from dating somebody, but um, I, I'm i just trying to think. Even though, Even the people that I have been interested in since – that all happened. They all knew about it. So I didn't uh-huh. have to get into it. Um, so that was good. Mm-hmm. But no, it wouldn't prevent me. No, for sure. I just would yeah. prefer they already have an idea. So anyway, um, I know you got a busy schedule. Thank you for uh, for for doing this. And we're able to get this. Um, we're recording this on, on Thursday morning. So it's going to go up as soon as I can get it up. Um, the podcast is uh, we will post it right away. Jacqueline, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Congratulations on the engagement. Congratulations on everything in your fertility world. And um, uh, we will obviously be in touch. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much to Jacqueline for coming on. Really like talking to her about the kind of behind the scenes insight of the show. We We really dove into some things that we hadn't talked about in the past in regards to being a contestant on the show, what you have to deal with the production aspect of it, what role they play. It's a lot there. And Jacqueline's very good at talking about that stuff. And, um, you know, I appreciate the, uh, the friendship that Jacqueline and I have had over the years and, um, definitely not some, I mean, if I were to look back and the people that I have befriended in this franchise, which isn't many that I consider like 
look, I've never met Jacqueline in my life, but so it's hard to say, can someone you've never met in your life be considered a close friend? I don't know. I guess it's just, it's just dependent on how you define the word close. It just, Jacqueline is definitely somebody, put it this way, Jacqueline is definitely somebody that I will go to and I will text or call um, when something is going on either with me professionally, something to do with the website, something to do with gossip. Hey, should I, here's the situation, here's what I got, What should? how should I handle it? She's definitely somebody that I go to. So I appreciate that she's always been there uh, for me for that. Definitely somebody I went to when the Demi stuff went down. Um, so I appreciate that uh, from her, and um, that's why she's always welcome on on this podcast, and will be going forward. Probably have her on, you know, twice a year, every six months. Would love to. Would love to get her on. Unknown caller. Okay, unknown caller. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, stop calling me unknown caller. By the way, sometimes I, it hasn't happened a ton, but sometimes I get calls. Like, I've tried to set my phone to do not disturb when I record my podcasts, because these are all done over my cell phone. I just call these people up and we record. When you set your phone to do not disturb, but then you are actively using your phone, it doesn't work. I set my phone to do not disturb, and I I can even set a timer to be like, do not disturb between 9 a.m. and 10.30 and yet, if I get a call between 9 a.m. and 10.30, it rings. It goes right to a ring, and or you'll get the beep of, hey, your phone's beeping. And you'll hear that sometimes in the podcast. And I just hit decline. But what's the point of having Do Not Disturb if you have it on Do Not Disturb, but it still disturbs? And I think it's only Do Not Disturb if your phone is not in use. Which makes sense. Okay, do not disturb. I'm going to sleep. I don't want to. Your phone is on your nightstand. Okay, great. But if you have it on do not disturb and you're using your phone like I would be doing to record a podcast, it doesn't work. Someone calls, the beep goes through. So anytime you ever heard a beep during a podcast, it's because someone's trying to call me while I'm recording. Just know I have my phone on do not disturb and it's just ignoring it because I guess the phone reads like, what do you mean you don't want to be disturbed? You're on the phone. I don't get it. Someone go tell someone go tell Apple to correct that. Unless I miss unless you're very well versed in the iPhone world and you can tell me how to offset that, please let me know. But as far as I know, if you're using actively using your phone and you have it in do not disturb mode, it won't matter. You will still get and someone tries to call you, you will still get the beep. Go figure. I thought if you had it on do not disturb while you were on the phone, it would just send that person directly to voicemail. No, it doesn't. Your phone rings. You have to hit decline. So anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, Jacqueline's great. I love her. So congratulations to her on that engagement. It's a hell of an engagement. If you didn't see the story when she was posting it, I was like, wow, Paul really did a number here because this this took some serious, serious planning. So congratulations to her. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, to podcast number 271. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcast. Much appreciated. And we'll be back next week with another former Bachelor contestant that's had some stuff going on in her life in the last few months. We'll get to that next week. But for Jacqueline Trumbull, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. And we will talk to you next week. See you!